Thank you for downloading Transformer, the podcast that explodes the myths about women and engineering. I'm Hester Abrams. This is the first of a series of podcasts in which I'll be talking to engineers about their work, finding out some of the extraordinary things they do. We make silicon chips, which when I began, they were microprocessors in the computer, and today they're all over the place. That's my old friend Deborah Porat, who designed silicon chips in Israel. She inspired me to make this podcast. I started actually in Intel when nobody knew what Intel was. Sort of like about five years down the line, my mother was suddenly proud of me when she started understanding the word Intel. (laughs) She's had an amazing career, and yet, as a woman, she's still a rarity. Here in Britain, fewer than one engineer in 10 is a woman. In fact, only 6% of them are women. That puzzles me. How can this profession be so lagging behind in getting bright girls into its ranks? We don't know what engineers do, and if we think we do know what they do, then it's often wrong. If we really want more girls to do engineering, why don't we find better ways of encouraging them to do that? You're going to hear more from Dawn Bonfield of the Women's Engineering Society and from others like her who are passionate about more women joining them. There's a global shortage of engineers and it's almost a national crisis. We need another 80,000 engineers a year and an obvious way of getting more engineers is to encourage more girls to take it up. In these conversations, I hope we will explode a few myths and dream a little too. Maybe before too long, women engineers won't be so rare. I think this is the generation that's going to change that, but it's going to take a lot of effort. That's the major issue. The change is coming, we've just got to make that change. Personally, I believe the world would be a quite different place if more women were involved in solving the practical problems we all face, like climate change, overcrowding in cities, or helpful apps on our phones. Some people say a company like Twitter might have done more to stop trolling and online abuse if its original design team had involved more women. In my friend Deborah's workplace in Israel, she says numbers of male and female engineers are equal. So I thought I'd ask her to guide me. We got on FaceTime from Philippa, my producer's house. She's got a dog. Watch out. Hello. The dog is, the dog is barking. Oh, you're sitting in your garden. I am. I'm just going to try and turn your volume up. Oh, that's lovely. I want to know from Deborah, is this an issue worth drawing attention to? I suspect that you're still going to find at teenagers level a very gender-based decision thing going on. So that's probably filtering out a lot of women. That's one story. I think there's a completely different story is how interesting the profession is. I don't think that there's any blocks actually in the profession if you actually sort of put your toe into deep water and get as far as to actually test it out. So I think there are actually two different stories. I don't know which particular story you want to investigate. OK, so let's see what we find. (laughs) Ford, the car giant, is one of quite a few big companies particularly interested in opening up engineering for girls. We went to its Dunton Technical Centre in Essex late in June on National Women in Engineering Day. It was an opportunity for about 60 female students from five nearby secondary schools to see what engineering in the car industry is all about. I'm Barb Samarsic. I am the Chief Operating Officer for Ford Motor Company's operations here in Europe. 
getting um, young women like these 14 to 16 year olds interested to stay with the math and sciences that they already have an aptitude for is crucial. So encouraging them, showing them role models, people like me is very important that they see someone who can who they can relate to and they say, "Wow, I could do that. I want to do that." is what we really hope to accomplish today. Bob Samardzic is a role model for women engineers, a mechanical engineer by training. And yet she didn't get much help from school when she herself was first thinking of careers. Right now, a lot of young women are actively steered away from the math and science, no different than I was 30 years ago. 30 years ago, nobody was ever going to suggest that I major in engineering. It was actually a brother who was in college in architecture who said, you know, you're so good in math and science, go major in engineering, you'll get a job. And getting a job was very important to me. But no one in my school system would have ever steered me that way, and it's not that different today. So getting the the teachers, the counselors, oriented towards this is a great opportunity and career for this this girl, this young woman who is talented in that field is important. Around the hall, one group of girls is scraping pink clay with a giant trowel to make a model of a van. Others are working out how to make a little buggy roll down a ramp carrying an egg and not smash it. This noisy and somewhat gooey experiment is run by Barry Grindle, a mechanical engineer whose job is to make cars safe. Why do you think it's important that girls come and see what it means to be an engineer? Simply, we just don't have enough girls in engineering. If we just take it on statistics, 50% of the population are going to be women. We're missing out on another 50% of ideas. Are we going to have one on this side to support? Yeah, yeah, we've got it. And Alice, Alice is going to make one for the top, are you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because when it flips over, we're going to need something to protect the top. Could do. Have we got the paint Yeah. I think it would be a good idea, yeah. OK. Five, four, three, two, one. Stop. Down tools, please. Down tools. Right. Who's, who's going to be the first? So now it's the moment of truth. The girls are going to bring their cars and put them down the ramp and see whether the eggs stay in one piece. Two spots of egg white on the ramp and that one broke after the first hurdle. As Barry goes off to find a mop and bucket, I speak to one of Britain's most senior engineers who's throwing his weight behind the campaign to make engineering more appealing to girls. My name's Richard Folkson. I'm the president of the Institution of Mechanical Engineers. I'm the 130th president after our first one, who was George Stevenson. Richard worked at Ford for 30 years himself. What would I see in a Ford card that had your name on it? Uh, The Ford Focus, the Ford Transit. I was the project manager for the last three transits. So every transit that you see out on the road, white van, I did it. So you're white van man? I am white van man. (laughs) And from the driver's seat, Richard's got a clear view of what needs to be done. There's a global shortage of engineers and it's almost a national crisis. We need another 80,000 engineers a year. If every student that did A-level maths each year became an engineer, we'd still be 10,000 short. So we need far more engineers And an obvious way of getting more engineers is to encourage more girls to take it up. How would you encourage girls to pursue engineering as a career? I think girls often misunderstand what engineering's about. I don't have oily hands or 
dirty fingernails. My job involves using my brain rather than my hands. And it's all about problem analysis, using science and maths to look at how things work, analyse problems and produce new creative solutions. So how does a new image of what engineering really is get imprinted in girls' minds? We talked to some women Ford put forward as role models for school students. I'm Danielle. I'm currently a second-year apprentice on the Higher Apprentice Scheme with Ford. Lauren Robinson. I'm an STA manager here at Ford. So I work with um, the Ford supplier base. I'm Holly Giles. I'm a student at Cambridge University taking natural sciences with an interest in genetic engineering. Did Danielle and Lauren find it as bad as everyone seems to make out, being in such a minority? I was the only girl in our first group, like our first lot of apprentices, but each of us helped like, each other with subjects. They helped me with some of the electrical, electrical side that I'm not so strong on because I haven't had as much exposure to electrical subjects. And then I'll help them on the maths, where I've been more exposed to maths in the past and they haven't, vice versa, but yeah. I was one of only four girls in the year of 30. I was really concerned about this, the fact that I knew I was academic and I knew I was going to be okay with the college side, but I hadn't used tools, I hadn't done any kind of machining. Um, We had to build toolboxes, we had to do welding, and obviously I thought the boys were going to be better at it than me. But at the age of, I think I was 17, the majority of the boys hadn't done those skills either, even though they were boys. And we all helped each other and we were all at the same level. At university, Holly Giles feels women are on an absolutely equal footing with men. I can feel this generation really doesn't... We don't believe that guys are better in anything than girls. There isn't that belief there. And I think, in my degree at the minute, science-based across the whole sciences, it is very equal, actually, with boys and girls. And, And what we've got to do if we want to make this change more rapid is maintain those girls in the field. We mustn't let them drop out. And I think we probably need more schemes from the government and from companies to try and keep girls' interest. Because with that wave that we could produce, if we keep girls from now, then it will be equal from now on. I don't know why people harp on about how it's so different to be a woman engineer to a man. Even when you listen all the things that women have invented, I don't know why that's so impressive it's just it should be that is what it is it's not that it shouldn't be that out of the ordinary that women achieve something yeah (laughs) we shouldn't be necessarily celebrating women in engineering we should be celebrating the actual engineering that's been completed women are just as capable as men and i think they should be both be celebrated equally i think working at ford as well you get desensitized to the fact that women are a minority because we don't feel any different here especially as you start out everyone's treated exactly the same I don't feel like I'm in a male-dominated industry because we are everyone's equal those young women made me think once you're in and working as an engineer you get on with the job you find out what you're good at and you do enjoy it maybe that's what my friend Deborah meant when she said you've got to jump in and then you'll see what fun it is let me go back to my conversation with her I think we like working together. I think I think working in a mixed environment of some men and some women is probably the healthiest kind of environment to work in, and uh, it's quite fun. It's good fun. Now, somewhere there's, there's two completely different stories, isn't it? That women are not choosing to go into it. One, two, the women that do go into it are really thriving. There's kind of I don't know what to do with the bridge in between. Well, I think you might be the bridge in between, at least at the moment. Uh, and it's a paradox, isn't it, that there are such small numbers of women and yet 
you are an example of one who has really stayed the course, who's developed your career, and you're still deriving fulfillment and satisfaction from it. It's a very interesting profession. So yes, I am. So every every day something new happens, engineering-wise, numbers-wise, problem-wise, and also people-wise. It's actually a very people-y profession. So maybe Deborah and Danielle and Lauren have a point. Perhaps we should be thinking about the quality of the engineering that everyone's produced and not worry about whether it's made by men or women. Or should we? I've come now to the Institution of Mechanical Engineers in London for a conference of the Women's Engineering Society. And I'm standing in a wood-panelled corridor looking at an impressive array of portraits of the presidents of this institution Lots of beards, some cravats, some medals, and among a hundred or so men, just two women. Here in Westminster, in the hallowed halls of a leading industry body, there is evidence that throughout history, women have been invisible at the top, at least, of this part of the engineering world. The Women's Engineering Society conference going on here is debating ways to make it attractive to return after a career break. The experienced women engineers I meet are all agreed on the scale of the need for women at all levels. Some are generous and encouraging to those coming after them, and others admit they're really frustrated. In the tea break, I meet Narmada Guraswamy, a data analyst in fraud investigation at Ernst & Young. It's not just that we don't have 50% engineers. It's the thought that there might be the next Einstein in that female population, but it is untapped because somebody either didn't give them the imagination to think or dream. It's not about just percentages. It's about opening it up for them. Dawn Bonfield of the Women's Engineering Society insists that this isn't a problem that women can resolve on their own. The solution doesn't rest with women. I think we all have to engage with it. And that's the only way that we'll make a change. And I, I th I'm getting to the position now where I'm realising that what we're doing as women's networks actually isn't enough. We need a bigger solution. We need to be more disruptive and we need to get buy-in from higher up really and we saw some statistics today that says we will get to 2095 before we get gender parity if we continue on the path that we're currently on we need to start making some much bigger changes so what does she suggest why not if we're short of engineers why not ask them to pay less to come to do engineering you know if, if we really want more girls to do engineering why don't we find better ways of encouraging them to do that and companies as well could be incentivised through tax breaks if they, for example, have 50-50 shortlists for jobs. And if we're wanting to change the industry, we need to start changing these kind of fundamental building blocks that we've almost taken for granted and throwing them out and starting again, really. You know, why don't we, like some of the universities are trialling at the moment, uh, scrap the need for students to take maths and physics A-level. Why not? You know, we talk all the time about um, that the pipeline, the leaky pipeline, but actually the pipeline isn't leaking. 
people are still in the pipeline, we're just not giving them the option to come into engineering in any other route than through the one route that we've identified, which means that they drop off at every level. There's clearly so much potential in engineering as a career, not to mention the economic argument for more women to work as engineers in Britain. I've met some very inspiring women, and I'd like to put on my hard hat and high-vis jacket and go and meet some of them on site. That's for another day. It was my friend Deborah's career over 30-odd years that got me interested in this. In the early 1980s, she had a job on the car assembly line at the old British Leyland plant in Oxford, in an industry where at that time things had hardly changed for 50 years. I wonder if, aged 18, she would have dreamt that decades later she would be involved in absolutely cutting-edge innovation, making semiconductors. She's gone from strength to strength as an engineer and still loves her job. So just one last question for Deborah. So Deborah, you've been the inspiration for this podcast. You're the reason I went to Ford to meet school students and talk to women engineers much later on in their career. And I wonder what you would say to your younger self if you met her now. Mm, what would I say? I would say, have a go. I would say, try and be lucky. Go and have a go. Go and get a job. If you like it, great. If you don't like it, leave and go look for another place because they're not the same. And find your luck. And have fun there. Transformer is an independent podcast brought to you by Hester Abrams and Philippa Goodrich. Visit us at transformerpodcast.com. We'd love to hear your experiences. We'll be back with another episode soon.